Be turning to Ephesians chapter 1, brethren. The next hour I'll be preaching from Genesis chapter 2. Ephesians 1, though. Here in our text, we look at a verse of Scripture that details what Paul had prayed for the saints. He was speaking in verses 15 and 16 of Ephesians 1, saying that since he heard of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he's been thankful to the Lord, and he's prayed for them, remembering them in his prayers. And in this prayer, Paul tells us the substance of what he prayed. It says in verse 17, this is our text, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And he doesn't define which him he's speaking of. Is he talking about God the Father? Is he talking about Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as God, as the mediator? Yes, all of it. He's speaking of the knowledge that our God gives to us of himself. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning the knowledge that God gives the believer. So, the Lord gives knowledge to his children. It's a spiritual knowledge that he gives to his child. When God saved his children in Christ, when he accomplished our redemption in the Lord Jesus Christ, because he did that, it pleases the Father to make known to you, his child, what he has accomplished for you in the Lord Jesus Christ. When we think of salvation, we think of it in terms of when the Lord saved us, when he had mercy upon us, and that that's when we were saved. And yes, there is a sense in which that is very true, but our redemption occurred in time when Christ hung on the cross, and our salvation was secured when the Father chose us and gave us to Christ in eternity past, before the foundation of the world. But it pleases God to make this salvation known to his child. He doesn't leave us in the dark to what he's done for us. He delights in the Son. He delights in his child. He wants to make known what he's done, and therefore he does it. He makes known to us what he's accomplished. And so he's going to sanctify his people by the Spirit, meaning the Spirit will be given and separate them apart unto this gospel. They're going to believe the truth. They'll be called by this gospel effectually. Effectually. They'll hear it. They will receive it. They will believe what the Lord has done through his Son for them. Now, of this knowledge which is given, God makes us to know that we are sinners. Every one of his children comes to know, I'm a sinner. And every one of his children is made to know, and I can't save myself. Regardless of where we would turn and what we would do, the Lord makes us to know that we are sinners desperate for the grace and the mercy of God, and I can't do anything by my flesh to fix that. 
He said, in, even if we turn to the law, Paul makes mention of this in Romans 3, verses 19 and 20. He speaks of those who would turn to the law. And the purpose of that is that anyone that would turn to the law, anyone that would look to the law and say, well, this is going to be my righteousness, this is how I'm accepted with the Lord, if they hear the law, and the Spirit of God will make sure that his child hears the law, they're going to hear what the law says to us, that we must be perfect. And we're going to see how far short we fall of the law. It's given to stop our mouths from boasting, to stop us from talking about what we've done for the Lord and how we've saved ourselves. That's why the law is given. It's to shut our mouths before God and to become guilty before God. And he says, therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in God's sight. The child of God's going to know that. They're going to know that. So there were some who looked to the law as a schoolmaster. The Jews did that. And in our day, there's modern-day lawmongers that still do that. Some of you came through families or came up through churches where the law was pushed on you for your righteousness. And you based your salvation and your comfort and your confidence in the Lord as to how well you were keeping the law. You looked to the law. And, and when we do that, and if that's our confidence, we're not hearing the law. Because God doesn't leave his child under the law, thinking that that's their righteousness. He delivers them from that. And then, for others, Paul says that they came through philosophy, which is vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments or elements of this world. In other words, it's just flesh, all of its flesh, whether you're coming through the law or you're coming through the humanity, the the teaching of, of the humanity of man. Right, that man can, can enlighten himself and rise up to a level of some goodness or, or greatness by the deeds that he does and the things that he thinks and practices, like the Greeks did with their philosophy, and like men today do, believing in being humanists. Either way, God makes his child to know you're a sinner and you cannot save yourselves, that we would hear, that we would seek him to know well, how then can a man be just with God? If I can't do it, how can I be made just with God? Well, the Lord makes his children to hunger and thirst for true righteousness, that which is spiritual, that which is truth, because it's of the Lord, and it's not of this flesh. The Lord has to give it to his child, because we're dead. We're spiritually dead by nature and Adam. Christ speaks of this when he said, The hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship him. Meaning that what pleases God, he's going to bring to pass in his child. They're going to be made spiritually alive. They're going to worship God in truth. It pleases the Father that we should know him and know him in spirit and in truth, and worship him in spirit and in truth. And so God reveals himself to his children through the preaching of the gospel, the exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ, declaring what he has accomplished for you, his child. 
Salvation is wrought. It's accomplished. Everything necessary has been done and accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he makes his child to know he is the Savior. He is my salvation. He's everything that the Father requires of me. Christ has provided it all. He makes us to look to him and to flee to Christ because he is the refuge of God. We're told in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, that just as God brought light out of darkness, he brought that uncreated light, the Lord Jesus Christ, to bear upon the earth, that it's in Christ, in the face of Christ, that he reveals himself and gives light to us who are in darkness. He makes us to know the Father through the Son. And the Father draws us to the Son, that we may know him and worship him, and glory in him. In Christ, I made to know that I'm forgiven of my sins and that I have an eternal inheritance with him. I don't need to get all that I can get in this world because these things are passing away quickly. They come and they go like a vapor in, in the world, like a, like a little mist when you look out in your backyard as the, the sun is burning off the dew. It comes and it goes Quickly, quickly. And the Lord makes us to know, let this go. I have an inheritance in Christ. Now, that's a basic knowledge that every child of God is given. We, we, are, we are brought to know that I'm a sinner, that Christ is the, that I can't save myself, that Christ is the Savior, that I am forgiven of my sins in him, that I may rest in him, and I know that I shall be raised from the dead and behold my Savior that I shall see him and have an inheritance with him. And these Ephesians, they had that knowledge. They had that basic knowledge of what Christ did for them. That's why they were receiving this letter. Paul wrote this letter because there was a church there in Ephesus that knew Christ, that knew what Christ had done for them. They had that basic knowledge, and when they received this letter, they rejoiced to receive this letter. They knew Christ. They knew the Savior. And Paul prayed for them as saints of God. Those were baptized believers and following the Lord Jesus Christ. And here, in verse 17, Paul prays that they would grow in this knowledge. That they would continue to grow in this knowledge of what the Lord had done for them in Christ. Saying that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That's good. <laughs> That's good. We, we are to grow. Peter gave this charge to the church, saying, but grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so we may have a basic understanding of what Christ did for us, but know that your God is pleased to teach you. To, to, to blossom and, and, and grow this knowledge of what he's done in the Lord Jesus Christ for you, his child. It pleases him to continue to teach you and to grow that knowledge and to settle you on the foundation that is Christ, to be rooted in him and to grow in Christ. So how do we come to, to know this? How do we come to this knowledge? If it's not by the law, if it's not by humanistic thought and philosophy of man, 
how do we gain this knowledge and grow in this knowledge of our God and Savior? Well, all knowledge of God is given by God. He's the only one that can give it to us. If we can't find it out ourselves by this flesh, by the strength and power and wisdom of this flesh, then it's of God. God has to give it. And our God, he doesn't reform us. He doesn't make the flesh able now to do better and to follow the Lord and to grow of itself. He doesn't reform this flesh. We are made a new creature, a new creation. We are called new creatures. We are called the new man. That creation of Christ in us is called the new man, which after God is created, created in righteousness and true holiness. Ephesians 4.24, in righteousness and true holiness. And what he's saying to us there is that if it's truly righteous, and if it's truly holy, then it is not of this flesh. Because this flesh is corrupt. This flesh is defiled. And so the Lord Jesus Christ is righteous, and he's our righteousness, and the one who has created us anew in righteousness and true holiness. Adam's seed was corrupt. It is corrupt. It's defiled. It's ruined in sin and death. But Christ's seed, by which the child of God is born again by his seed, that seed is incorruptible. incorruptible, Meaning that this defiled flesh cannot corrupt and ruin and defile and destroy what Christ has made in his child. We are, by nature, are corrupt. But what Christ has made cannot be corrupted and defiled. It cannot be ruined, though in our flesh it's subject to the law of sin and death, meaning we shall die, this flesh shall go back to the dust, but we shall be raised again because of the law of Christ, the law of faith, the law of love and liberty in the Lord Jesus Christ. We shall rise again. We shall live forever with him because that can't be ruined or destroyed. It's not dictated to by this flesh, what we do or don't do. It's accomplished already in Christ. And so this new man, it's a new creation. It's Christ's work. It's called in the scripture a new birth. As when Christ said, you must be born again. You can't reform yourself. You can't get yourself born again by the law, Nicodemus. You must be born again of the seed of your Savior, of your God. It's a regeneration, a regeneration of Christ's child, of God's child. And that means that it's entirely new. It wasn't there before. This new man in us, whereby we believe, wasn't there before until Christ created it in us. And so this new birth is accomplished by the Holy Ghost, whom the Father and the Son have sent, to seek out the lost sheep of our God, meaning those whom God chose in eternity past and committed to the care of his Son to save them, to do everything necessary, the the Spirit is now sent to seek you out. We don't know who they are. He knows who they are, but we don't know who they are. And so he calls us to preach the gospel, to broadcast the gospel 
as if we were casting seed out into a field to throw it out, to put it out there, to preach and proclaim what the Lord has done for his people. And the spirit comes with power and glory and gives a birth, new life to hear, a hearing ear to hear that word and to know the Lord did that for me. He did that for me and to believe so that faith Life, living fruit is manifested in the child of God and they hear the voice of the Son of God and believe. They live. They're born again. They're spiritually made alive. And so the Spirit does this work in giving us the new birth, taking the blood of Christ and applying it to us to remove the stain and the guilt of sin that's on this conscience that I cannot rid myself free. Christ has purged it away Put it away, making my conscience clean, making me white again, without sin, without the stain of sin. And he removes that guilt, settling us in him, believing, Lord, you've done this. You've done this for me. I'm your child. I have no other hope. I see what I am. I see I'm a sinner. I see I cannot save myself. You are my hope. You are my righteousness. You're my all. And the Lord does that. He makes you to know what he's accomplished for you. As your substitute, and you didn't do anything to earn it. Nothing to earn that mercy or gain God's forgiveness. He's done it all. It's freely given in the Lord Jesus Christ by the grace of God in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's the Spirit of God that makes this known to us through the preaching of the gospel and and giving us that knowledge of what he's done and affirming it and reaffirming that knowledge of what he's done for us in Christ. Now, that's a lot of words, so let me show you this from one scripture. Go to Titus chapter 3. It's toward the end of Paul's epistles, a little before Hebrews. Titus chapter 3. And we'll pick up in verse 4. This is Paul's summary of everything I just said. But after that the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, meaning he came with salvation. He provided salvation for those whom he loves. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration a new birth, a new creation, and renewing of the Holy Ghost. All that was lost in Adam has been redeemed by the Lord Jesus Christ, the last Adam, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior, that being justified by his grace, that is, we are made righteous by the grace of God in Christ, we should be made heirs, have an inheritance according to the hope of eternal life. It's all given all provided in Christ and he makes his child to know this to believe him to have no other hope but him and so being regenerated by the Holy Ghost we receive that which is given by God we are given life and understanding in this new man to hear and to believe Christ to have this knowledge of what he's done for us freely in grace and Paul is praying for the church of God here. It's uh, Ephesus here, but 
He's praying for the church. This is, this is the prayer for the people of God, that we grow in this knowledge in the new man. As he said, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And this understanding can and only does come by the Holy Spirit. And he gives us our first understanding, and that same spirit is the one who gives us our last understanding. So that everything you're to learn, everything God would have you to know, is all given to you through the Holy Spirit. And that never changes. It's given through the Spirit who illuminates this, the scriptures, the word that we read in our own time. And as we come and sit under the preaching of the gospel, he gives it to you. And comforts your hearts in what he's done for you in and by the Savior whom he sent. And so it's from first to last we're taught by the Spirit of God. I like what... Paul said in Galatians 4, 6, he said, And because ye are sons, God hath sent forth the Spirit of his Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And what that means is whether you are a Jew who would say Abba, that's the Jewish word for Father, or you're a Greek who would say Father, interpreted Father. doesn't matter what your background is. There is one God. And one Savior given to men, whereby we must be saved, the Lord Jesus Christ. And whether you say Abba or you say Father, we have one salvation. Whether you were mixed up and tied up in the law or in the foolishness of man under darkness and vain philosophy, every one of his children are brought out of that darkness into the light to behold the light of God, the knowledge of God, the mystery of God revealed in the face of God. Of Jesus Christ. And so the giving of the Holy Spirit is a promise. Christ promised that he would give you the Spirit to make these things known to you, his child, what he has done. It's in John 16. Let's go there. John 16 and verse 13 through 15. Christ says, How be it? When he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine, and therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it unto you. And so that's the spirit that you have. That's why you hear Christ. That's why you know he is the Savior. That's why you know that in him your sins are forgiven. And in him you have an eternal inheritance. It's by that spirit which he's given. And we know that we have received that spirit. How do I know that I have the spirit of Christ? Because he's all your hope of righteousness. He's given you that confession with your mouth to confess Christ as my Savior. He's given you that, that faith in your heart whereby you believe that God has raised him from the dead. And what that means, it's, it's, that's pregnant with, with meaning, meaning that I know that I shall live again. 
in and by the Lord Jesus Christ. I have an inheritance with him. He's my all. He's everything to me. And that's the faith that he gives to his child. And he grows us in that. It may be very basic at first, but he grows us and keeps showing us more and more what he's done and how everything is in and by the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is the spirit which is given. Turn over to 1 Corinthians 2. Go to 1 Corinthians 2, and we're going to pick up in verse 10. Paul says to the Corinthians, But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. This was a mystery. We didn't know it. But God has revealed these things to us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man, which is in him? Well, that's how the things of God works. <laughs> the spirit knows the things of God because he's the spirit of God. And he reveals them to his child. He makes us to know what God's mind is, what God has determined to do before the foundation of the world and is working it out in and by the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, verse 12, Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. We're going to know this. Which things also we speak, right? How do, I, how do you know what a person believes? What they're saying. By what they're saying. By what they're, they're, they're speaking to you. Not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, because they're foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. So if you're troubled and you're worried, how do I know if I'm a child of God? Well, are these things of Christ foolishness to you? Or are they the truth? <laughs> is he righteousness? Do you know he's your righteousness? that he is the righteousness of God, that he's your hope? Lord, save me by his righteousness. Don't, don't receive me in my works. That's the spirit of God that gives you that. And... He's the one who comes through the preaching of the gospel to settle you in that hope, to, to root you in Christ, to establish you in him, to know, to stop looking at your works, to stop looking at your sin, what you do and don't do, and keep looking to Christ and follow him because he leads his child and never leaves them or, nor forsakes them. And he promises you that look to me, that hope in me, I'll never leave you. Uh, you're mine. I'll come. When I come again, I shall raise you from the dead, and you shall be with me forever. He promises that. And so we come. We're gathered here to hear this word because he's comforting us through that word. When we go out on our own, we look at ourselves, we look at the world, all the troubles come in upon us. They trouble us, and they try to break up that hope that we have. But the Lord keeps bringing us back, sitting us down, and hearing this word again. And we're made to thank the Lord for it and rejoice in him. Because we know we've done nothing to earn it or to be worthy of it. And yet he keeps being gracious and faithful and merciful to us in Christ. So having the Spirit of God will continue to walk in his light. As Christ promised, he that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. That's his promise. You can't make that happen. He says, keep doing, keep following me. He tells us that, but he makes it effectual so that we do keep following him and going after him. 
And therefore in that, in Christ, he will teach us all things. Under the preaching of the gospel, under the teaching of the Holy Spirit, we're going to know all the blessings that God has given us in Christ. Go back to Ephesians 1. Ephesians 1 and look at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. In Christ. And then, it, well, we see there that everything's given in Christ. And what does Paul do after that? As you go into verse 4 and following through verse 11, he proceeds to declare all the blessings of God given in Christ. Verse 4, he shows us that we were chosen by God in Christ, in him. And that happened before the foundation of the world, before we did any good or bad and, and, and could either make it or break it. It has nothing to do with our actions. It has everything to do with the will of God in Christ, in him. And we're predestinated, he says, to our adoption of the children of God, to be in the family of God. And we're accepted of God in Christ. We're forgiven by God in Christ. And God has made this mystery known to us. Just read those, those verses, 4 through 11. In, in Ephesians 1, later, we see this mystery is in the face of Christ, and it's revealed to us in him, that we might see that we have an inheritance in Christ. Now let's skip down to verse 18 and read these verses here, the rest of this prayer. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. Right? And that belief there is, is speaking of the faith which he's given to us, revealing Christ, revealing the hope we have in Christ. This verse you can put in, in your margin there, just write Ephesians 2.8. And at Ephesians 2.8, write Ephesians 1.19 uh, there. Because they're saying the same thing using different words. One is the power of God to us word, and the other one says, By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And he's, worked, he's done all this according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ. Not by what you wrought by your faith, but what he wrought by Christ. When he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under Christ's feet. See how it just continues in Christ. And gave him to be the head over all things of the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Now I wanted to read all the way down there to that last part, that filleth all and in all, because that's the knowledge that your God is giving you and teaching you in Christ. Paul said it this way to the Colossians, the Colossians 3.11, to know that Christ is all and in all. That, brethren, is the knowledge. And when we first hear, it's a limited knowledge. We know the basics of what Christ has done for us. But as he grows us and establishes us in Christ, we're seeing, Lord, everything is in 
and by and tied to Christ. It's all fixed in him. Christ is made all to the child of God, to the praise and glory of our God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the mystery of God. That's what he's making you to know. Everything is Christ. It's all in Christ. It's all by Christ. We thank God because of Christ, because that's what he's making us to know. Christ. Amen.